But I get to jump into part three of uh, Whatever Happens, a series in this amazing book of Philippians. And don't read Philippians if you don't want to grow. Don't read Philippians if you don't want to be challenged. It's written by a guy in prison. He's calling the church to strength, to stand, to hold, to take ground, to not get fixed in their story. And he's writing to this incredible group of people. And he writes to us now. It's as relevant to us. And and we start a little back to front. We start in Philippians 2. Why? Because we feel this whole book centers around the center of gravity the humility of Christ, his story, his model to us, the fact that we are called to have the same mindset as that of Christ, which challenges our every decision, our every movement, everything we get on with. And then he goes to these other little areas where he challenges and calls. And we get to jump into Philippians 1, verse 12 to 30. It's a large portion of scripture. I'll read all the scriptures through the preacher tonight, but not all at the front, just for time's sake. But this, this incredible section that says actually Paul's in chains for the gospel. Yeah. It's not a popular section of Scripture for many, and, and that's why it's good sometimes to take these sections and read, and read through these books and preach through these books systematically to preach some of the tougher sections of Scripture. But I want to tell you, you've got to have an appetite for growth tonight. If you don't, you're going to struggle. I really mean it. We've had this conversation with our boys. I've got three boys, 12, 10, and 7. And one of them, Ben, legs were hurting. So now it's all about growing pains. So now that every time something goes, oh, Dad, I'm growing. I'm growing. Uh, it's like there's, if there's a pain in his toe, his toe is growing. If, if it's like it doesn't matter where the pain is, there's growth happening. But the challenges in life, growth generally comes through challenge, trial, pain sometimes. Wow. If you think about the young years of growing up and overcoming challenges and trials and facing bullies at school or facing tough conversations, and then as the implications increase, the tougher conversations become tougher. And we navigate all these things, navigate seasons of having lots and seasons of having little. And learning to navigate those things bring growth and experiencing rejection for the first time and not the last time. Sending a CV out or a hundred CVs out and not getting response. All of these challenges and trials call us to a journey of either breaking down and dying and becoming smaller or growing, just putting our faith in Jesus and taking on more of what he's called us at this time. And when I read this book, Paul is talking, he's challenging us, saying, time is church, it's time to become strong. He's writing to this church he loves in the city of Philippi. He was part of birthing that community and seeing the kingdom of God and the gospel break out there. And he starts to write this letter to them imploring them, and he's just detailing his situation. And I want to challenge you that too much of the church are being are content in remaining immature in the ways of God, but the challenges, they still want the benefits of maturity in Christ. Too content in staying immature, not taking on the Word, not taking on the gifts of the Spirit, not taking on maturity and walking in the ways of God, but they want all the benefits. I want to tell you, Everyone says, Mark, do a course on marriage and give us five pluses that fix my marriage. No, take the gospel seriously. Allow it to come into your life and grow and mature. And what we'll find, we'll have great marriages, marriages that stand. We'll have relationships that work without even doing a relationship series. Can you imagine? Why? Because the gospel and Jesus at the center of the gospel underpins everything, gives a sense of gravity to everything, and we get to walk and move forward. But tonight, Philippians 1. And my first point is simply this. A whatever happens life starts with a new mission. A whatever happens life starts with a new mission. And this is Paul's chain. Just says, Paul's chains advance the gospel. That's the, the title given to this section of Scripture. Verse 12. Now I want you to know. Who? He's writing a letter. He says, I want you to know, brothers, 
that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearfully. Fearlessly. Let's just get that right. Fearlessly. Got that, Jerry? But the challenges before salvation and outside of Jesus, life's mottos are pretty simple. Work hard, play hard. It's, it's, it's suck the marrow out of life. It's have fun. It's yeah. he who dies with the most money in the bank account and the most experiences on Instagram wins. It's all these challenges. But the Bible says to be saved is to be bought by a king at a price. And I love the scripture that reminds us, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. He, he challenges, says, hey, guys, there was a price paid here. You were bought with a price. And now the big story is eternity. The big story is the mission of God and the gospel that pulls us in. And I don't want to let you off the hook. That's not the big story for a preacher. It's not the big story for a life group leader or someone who wants to be big in the church. It's not. It's the life story for every son and daughter who receives the grace of God, gets pulled into the kingdom of God story. They get a kingdom of God mission. If you're a banker, if you're a librarian, if you're a teacher, if you're a mother at home, whatever you do, your mission is the kingdom of God. I can't let you off that. Paul comes out, he says, here's the mission, advancing the gospel. If you're saying, I don't know what the purpose of my life is, here's the purpose of your life, advance the kingdom of God. If you're saying, I don't know what I'm doing with my time, give your time to advancing the kingdom of God. And he challenges, and I want to tell you, too many believers that believe it, live it, and, and their living shows that they believe it, that the gospel is there to advance me. I don't know. We get this somewhere, but the gospel is there to advance me, my mission, my dreams, my plans, my story, my name, my inheritance, my everything. And our prayers reflect that all too often. And the challenge, it's like Jesus becomes this perfect religious app that we can download for our lives. He's got all the benefits. It's all in one place. When I need a healer, I go to, to Jerofa, uh, Jehovah Rapha because God is my healer. And when I need a provider, I go to Jehovah Jireh. And when I need a Lord and a mighty king to ride in, I go to El Shaddai. And we just click on the app because we need him then. Yeah. Why? Because the gospel is there to advance me? Wow. No, it was never that. And Paul jumps into this and he challenges us. This is about the kingdom of God advancing. And him sitting in chains is about the kingdom of God advancing. And God, the gospel doesn't start with us. Somehow there's a gospel out there that starts with us. It's all about us. And I know that we sing songs like he loves us. And we sing songs like we're sons of God. And I believe all of it. But the gospel started in God. In His perfection, in His love, in His grace, He reached out. And when we are reminded that the gospel started with God, it'll be finished with God. And we just to get be a part of the story, it changes our perspective. His love, His power, His plan. So Paul flips everything at the start and he offends every preconceived idea. He says this, now I want you to know, brothers. I don't want you to, to live not knowing. I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, he says, as a result, it's become clear that throughout the whole palace, God, to everyone else, that I'm in chains. So what's happened to him? Let's just recap. 
He's in prison. And if you understand, he's probably in a Roman building or some, under some house arrest. He probably hasn't even gone to court yet. He hasn't been sentenced yet in the old days. In those days and under that time, he'd almost be held in a holding tank. And he was an enemy of state. He was an enemy to the powers that be. He's a gospel preacher of this radical Jesus and the story that there's another way. And so he's held down. But one of the commentators said this, according to Roman custom, custom, he was bound by the hand to the soldier who guarded him. And he was never left alone day or night. As the soldiers would relieve guard in constant succession, the Praetorians, one by one, not Praetorians from Pretoria, they were Praetorians, one by one were brought into communication with the prisoner of Jesus Christ. And thus he was able to affirm that his bonds had borne witness to the gospel throughout the imperial regiments. What does that mean? These, these palace guard guys would come, and every six hours they'd be chained to Paul. Imagine being chained to Gabriel for six hours. Now being chained to Paul, this radical apostle, his whole focus, every breath he breathes, every time he goes to the bathroom, he has a mission. And the mission is someone's got to know Jesus. So you're coming with me, guy. you chained to me. I need to go to the bathroom. And it doesn't matter that his comfort of having someone there every moment. He says, flip the script. We're going to step into more. Whatever happens, this guy's chained to me. I'm going to give him the gospel. Why? Because he needs Jesus. And he flips it completely on his head. And no wonder Paul declares, what has happened to me has really served the gospel. He's going, forget the, incon the inconvenience of it. And why are we preaching a whatever happens gospel at this time in 2021? Why? Because it's got to get into the church. And it's got to get into my heart and your heart that this was never about my comforts. This was never about my safety. This was never about my security. This was about the kingdom of God because I have an eternity with Jesus banked. It's done. Corona doesn't touch that. It doesn't diminish it. There's no interest. There's no debt. There's just Jesus. And he pulls us into a story. See, let's not get mixed up. He wasn't in prison because he messed up and I was trying to make the right picture right. He's in prison for the gospel. It's not like he went walking off the lockdown curfew hours and got locked up. It's not that. He got locked up for the gospel. But let's stop here just for a minute. Maybe I can ask my friends in studio. Maybe I can ask you. How does this fit with your theology? How does this fit with your idea of God and Christianity right now? Maybe you're saying, Mark, I, 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 I'm feeling in prison right now. My, the walls of my business and my marriage and my relations and my story and my life are so small and narrow that it feels like I'm chained to the implications of them. I'm in prison right now, but I struggle with the idea that somehow my prison could advance the kingdom of God because someone told me somewhere along the line that everything's going to be dandy because Jesus has saved me. Now everything is going to be dandy, dandy in eternity when I spend an eternity that is so much bigger and greater so are you saying, Mark, that, I, that potentially I could be, and Paul was in the perfect will of God in that jail, and I could be in the will of God and still be in a prison right now? Yes. Yes. And there's a million things I would want to say to that, but well, how can you say that, Mark? Well, here's the thing, because it never was about you and your comforts on this earth. It's about you and your story into eternity. It, it never started. It started with the goodness of God, His grace, His kindness, and the blood of Jesus. And in the midst of our trials and in the midst of our prisons, chained to our prisoners, our prison wardens, we have Jesus, and we have the enabling of the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel and change lives and stories. And he, he challenges us, Paul's perspective says, because of my chains, most of the prisoners and most of the brothers here and even the prison guards, they got to know the gospel. Come on! 
You just see him writing that pen. I'm going, oh, I'm not sure that's the letter I would write. <laughs> and then he carries on. I love it. He, he, he carries on. And I want to read through this because I believe in the reading of Scripture. But I'm not going to preach this section too much. I want to make a point. In verse 15, it says, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. We're just waiting for the next scripture. There we go. I'm going to carry on over here. But what does it matter? The important things is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. The big issue, he says, the gospel. The big issue is the preaching of the gospel, salvation, eternity with Christ. There's a the whole bunch in between. Some dudes are preaching it for their own benefit. Who cares as long as Christ is getting? Stop giving your attention to that. Give your attention to the prison warden who needs Jesus. Mark, but I'm a businessman. Surely God doesn't want me to experience challenge. And even you yourself preached John 10.10 10, that you would have life and life abundantly. I did. And I believe it. And I still believe it more than ever. But I never preached that your bank account would have abundance. I preached that your soul would have abundance. I preached that the gospel would be in your heart. I preached that you would have courage and strength even in the lowest parts. And that you would be the one to stand in the gap in every scenario as the spirit-filled son and daughter of the living God pulled into a story. Have I challenged you enough? This, this book challenges us. I, I don't know about, about maturing believers to live a life that whatever, whatever happens, that kind of life, well, it's because we have a whatever happens king who went to a whatever happens cross so that whatever happens in our life, he can wash clean by the grace of Jesus and pull us into a story. Why? Because whatever happens, we'll worship Jesus. So chains, whatever. Prison guards in the bathroom, whatever. No memory foam mattress in the prison, whatever happens. Doesn't mean God isn't there. Doesn't mean He doesn't want to hear your prayers. Psalms are full of prayers of challenge and trial. And we do pray those prayers. But it, it changes our perspective and we get the apostle's heart for the gospel going. Why? Because Philippians 2 anchors us in Jesus. A whatever happens, life starts with a new mission. The next two points are quicker. A whatever happens, life has a different perspective. Our perspective is powerful. You can read the news with one perspective, or you can read it with another. You can read stats, and everyone loves stats. Cyril looks like he got stats for Christmas. <laughs> Not my joke, but a good one. It's, it's, it's perspective is everything. And our, Paul's perspective, sitting in jail, chained to a prison warden, or a, a prison guard. Verse 21, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Come on! If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? Where am I going? Oh, I read it again. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. He says, ah, God, it's for you. Con convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. 
so that through my being with you again, in your, again, your joy in Jesus Christ will overflow on account of me. See, at first glance, this sounds like he's being a drama queen. He's like, I'm just putting it out there. To live is Christ, to die is gain. It's like it's such a dramatic line that yeah. I've thought it's in a, some sort of famous poem. or some, No, it's just a Jesus' son, knowing who he is, convinced that either way he wins. That's what he's convinced. That's what he's saying. He says, it doesn't matter which way it goes. It's a win-win for me. He says, okay, let me start. If I live, well, if I live, I've got the Spirit of God. If I live, I have the opportunity to preach the gospel. If I live, I get to encourage you more from my chains. And I don't know what's going to end, but if I live, I get to do these things, and I love it. Matthew 16, verse 5, for whoever wants to save his life, Jesus speaking, will lose it. But whoever loses his life will find me. So you can find life on this side of eternity too. How? By giving it away to Jesus. So good, Mark. And then he says, but, but and, and the, you see the maturing believer settles this now. Yeah. We can't just settle it on our deathbed. It's too late. We settle it now. Death has been beaten by those nails that were driven into his hand and the fact that our king rose from the dead. Yeah. And then he says, if I die, even better yet, I get to be with Jesus. My story gets to give him glory. And I, I, he says, I desire to, he says, actually, I desire to be with him by far. He said, I'd much rather die and be with Jesus now. I love the way Jesus expressed eternity for us. He said, do not let your hearts, in John 14, verse 1 to 3, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be, also be where I am. Come on. Yeah. Death is beaten. So we've got to have a different perspective. And death can't be the thing that holds us the whole of our life. So many people are so fearful for death and running from death. They never live life. No, live life and know this, that if you have Jesus, there's a win-win in life and death when you're living for the gospel and you're living for the king. And whatever happens, life starts with a change of perspective. And lastly, and whatever happens, life means we play our part. And I'll explain it to you. It goes like this and continues in verse 27. Whatever happens, say it with me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but you will be saved and that by God. It says whatever happens. See, he's saying that not knowing what will happen. He doesn't know what his sentence. His sentence could be death. His sentence could be life in prison. His sentence could be many things. It says, whatever happens, whatever happens. It says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That word, conduct yourself, in, is from the Greek word, a verb, and I'm going to try to get it right, politinumai, which has its basic meaning to be a citizen, to have one's citizenship. And Paul's saying, as you live this life, conduct yourself, be a citizen, navigate as a citizen of, get stuck in as a citizen of heaven that Ephesians speaks about. We are also a citizen of earth. And as we walk both our citizenships out, we carry both identity documents. We have impact as sons of God seated in heavenly realms, but also walking this earth. And he says, conduct yourselves. That's how you live your life. Oh, grace, brew, grace. Don't tell me God's watching how I live. No rubbish. Conduct yourselves. Live as a citizen of heaven. I'm not sure you're going to have sexual relations outside of marriage in heaven. I'm just saying. 
And it's so acceptable in our world. I've got to just hit it on the head. I'm not sure you're going to steal from the tax man in heaven. I'm not sure we're going to come up against government authorities and fight on silly things like you can or can't go on the beach. I'm not sure we'll do that in heaven. So I don't want to do it here. Why? Because I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm also a citizen of earth for this time. And when I'm reminded that I've got to play my part, I'm reminded that whatever life means, I'm getting stuck in. I'm not hiding away. I'm pulled into a bigger story every day that I live with. And he, I love this. He says, whether I come to see you or even in my absence. Yeah. He says, it doesn't matter if I'm there or not. Don't behave yourself when I'm there. Oh, the big dog Paul's here. <laughs> big P-dog, he's here. No. He says, whether I'm there or not, conduct yourself. This, the, the gospel demands. The gospel calls are not just for a preacher, for you, for me. Why? Because it's a whatever happens life I'm called to. So Paul understands that the private is often more, pop, more powerful than the public. And he reminds them that whatever happens, make sure your public is a reflection of what's happening in the private and vice versa. Why? Because there's power there. Power to live a Paulian life that whatever chains you find yourself in for the gospel, let the gospel advance because of those chains. We're reminded, we pulled into, he calls us to these three behaviors, and I don't have time to preach. He says three things. He says unity of the spirit, verse 27. He says what happens life? Unity of the spirit means stop fighting about the stupid things. Fight, about the, fight for the big things together. He says contending for the faith of the good news of Christ. He says people are contending for so many different things, and I'm telling you believers, it's time to know what to contend for and what not to. And the Bible tells us, contend for the faith of the good news of Christ. That's what you're called to contend for, to fight for. Yeah. Don't fight the battles you aren't called to fight because there won't be grace there for you. Yeah. And lastly, he says, courage in the face of opponents. Paul had his challenges. You and I will have our challenges in this gospel walk. And if we want to live a whatever happens life, we will have challenge and we will have trial. But I want to have the effects of the gospel life. I want to make sure that my life counts. So simply this, Philippians 1, in whatever happens. Number one, if you want to live a whatever happens life, you need a mission, a new mission, a gospel mission. And that mission is bigger than your story, your happiness, and your bank account. Those things are benefits of being son of God, and God said he will provide. But the mission of God. Secondly, you want to have a whatever happens life, you need a different perspective. The death is not the end. The challenge is not the sign that God isn't in the story. But His presence shows me He's with me and the promises He's given me for every moment and occasion. And lastly, you want to whatever happens life, play your part as a citizen of heaven and a citizen of earth. Play your part. Get stuck in with courage and fearless living. And I promise you, we will see the kingdom of God advanced and we will be the church that will shine for Jesus Christ at this time. Why are we preaching this gospel, this, this book of Philippians with such passion at this time? Why? Because I'm telling you the same challenges that came up against the Philippians are coming up against us at these times. And we need to stand. We are given the word of God, not just as something to do in the mornings. It's not a healthy habit for Christians. Just read your Bible and that, no, it's so that the Word of God comes upon our lives and the authority upon our lives and come into my heart and pulls me into a story that's bigger than the smallness my heart defaults to.